Hello, everyone, and welcome to Janky to the Max, a podcast where we talk about awesome creators and the even cooler, well, no, not even cooler creations, but the cool creations that they make. <laughs> Today on the show from the wild plains of Texas, we have uh, Sewell. Um, he is going to kick off our series on entrepreneurship, on taking your idea from simply a side project to a full-blown business. Um, with me in this show, in the, in the virtual studio, is my fantastic co-host, Glavin. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. So, um, i, I got to ask, uh, have you finished your uh, desk yet? Uh, yes, I have, actually. I'm sitting at it right now. Wow, that's, that is really cool. So how long did that take you to make? I, I know this is, this is not entrepreneurship, but you, I've still been working on this PC hybrid desk for a while, and it's... Uh, yeah. So back in early November of 2019, uh, I had purchased a three and a half inch thick piece of spalted pecan that was about a four feet long. And I, over the course of five and a half months or so, I routed out the bottom of it, uh, did a lot of cable management and fitting all of my computer components into a very small uh, form factor onto a piece of plywood. And finally, just this last month, was able to get it attached, get the wiring run correctly, put enough fans in there so I don't cook it. And uh, yeah, it's a beautiful desk. Really happy with how it turned out. Yeah, that that that's really cool. I love unique form factor desks. Anyways, so um, tell us about some of the cool ventures, um, side hustles you've been working on over the years. Well, uh, probably my first and biggest one would be uh, in November. Uh, I believe it was November sixteenth, twenty fourteen. Uh, we founded a company called Three Dudes Printing because there happened to be three of us. Uh, my roommate, who I still live with at this time, had approached me, and it was when 3D printers were first really getting big. And he's like, hey, man, we should start a business. And I was like, all right, man. You know, he has a wild idea every week. I'm like, well, how are we gonna, what are we going to do as business? He's like, we'll get a 3D printer, and we'll make stuff with it, and we'll sell. I'm like, what are we going to make with a 3D printer? He goes, man, anything. <laughs> Whatever we want. And I'm like, well, sure. I was dumb enough to say yes. And uh, you know, I remember telling him, though, I was like, well... I, I can't run the books. I don't trust you to run the books. We need someone to do it. And we had a friend of ours who had gone to school with, who we still kept in touch with, who uh, was going for an accounting major to be a CPA. I'm like, ah, we'll get Sean. And so uh managed to rope him in, too. And even though he lives in uh, Dallas, he pretty much took care of a lot of our online stuff and uh, all of our budget means. And pretty much any time we had a tax question, we would just call him up and just, you know, jokingly, hey, 3 dudes printing this, uh, we're looking for the Dallas branch. He'd be like, yeah, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it was a really fun venture we started out with one printer and we weren't really sure what to make but all of us were very much so into video games and video game culture uh, uh my roommate and i had gone to a couple of different conventions uh we'd gone to rtx a couple times we'd seen cosplayers and we thought it was really cool and came up with the idea of hey let's sell cosplay equipment you know they because with 3d printing not a lot of people were doing it yet in 2014 like everyone was still using foam and things like that. Uh, there really wasn't a lot of 3D printing in the cosplay world. And so we figured, oh, well, people aren't going to want to buy kits. They're going to want to buy uh, finished products. And the first big thing that happened was Fallout 4 came out. And when Fallout 4 dropped, uh, they had the special edition, which had the notoriously bad canvas bags that were actually plastic. And they had the Pip-Boys that you could actually wear on your arm. And they just were selling out of units instantly as they were going. So we managed to find a model of them online. It was about a 45-piece model. Uh, 
and we downloaded that, uh, printed it out, sanded it, glued it, bonded it together, sanded it again, primed it again, sanded it again, and we got it to a certain fidelity. We we're like, wow, this looks nice. We don't want to have to do this every time. So we bought some silicone, uh, and we learned all about vacuum sealing and all these new techniques that we had to take on, and we injection molded, essentially, not injection molded, we uh, resin cast uh, all of these. So that way we could produce them in larger quantities because we knew like, oh, hey, we're going to have a lot of these. It's way too many parts. And of the first batch, I think we did 14 of them and we sold them, I think, for $350 each. And we sold all of them. Wow. Yeah. And we learned everything there from how to paint professionally. We, we bought like a professional airbrush gun. I had a friend of mine who paints cars come over and showed me how to use it. We had to learn how to. We built our own vacuum pump. We did, we bought a vacuum pump and then we really just got a big cast iron pot, a half inch thick sheet of acrylic, watched a couple of YouTube videos and just made it happen because you have to have a vacuum pump in order to draw all the bubbles out of the silicone and the resin because oh. they're very viscous. Um, and just, man, step after step of just learning and making mistakes and spending more money. But we got it figured out. And that was our first big real, our big win of like, wow, we made money. You know, we've, we've paid for the printer. We paid for the materials. We're now, we're at zero. <laughs> we went from <laughs> to just at the black. Nice. That was a really exciting time. Getting to the broke point in a business is seriously underrated. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, it felt amazing. There was a, there was a couple of really hard nights there. I think, I know it was leading up to Christmas that we had a huge influx of orders and, the problem with those hip boys is while we were uh, making money on them, technically, the man hours we were putting into them, it was next mm. to nothing. So on paper, we were making money, but that's because we weren't paying ourselves. Right. Mm. Um, I can remember a couple nights where I remember I remember one night distinctly, we had some orders that had to go. I mean, like they were behind. We had overpromised and underdelivered on the dates just for various slowdown issues. And all the while, while this is all going on, we all have normal day jobs. We're all going to college. Uh, I actually had two jo- other jobs at the time. I was both a, a cook in a mom and pop restaurant, and I had a guy uh, who I would go and check on his goats frequently for him. That was, you know, 30, 40 minutes out of the day every day. And so we all had all these other obligations <clears throat> that, uh, you know, just really helped compound all the issues. There was one morning I remember at 6 a.m., my roommate, you know, comes into the garage. He's leaving to go to his job in the morning. He just looks at me and goes, did you sleep? I just look at them, you know, racks of pit boys in front of me, just trying to get them all to dry in time. So that way I can box them up two hours from then and send them out to people. You know, I'm just shaking my head, just head down on the workbench. Just like, uh-huh, I slept. I think. I don't remember. <laughs> so just those early struggles. Oh, wow. That's... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's intense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, something we'd realized, though, that took a big turn with that is, uh, so we had one printer, uh, and that lasted us all the way until about August of 2015. And in early August, we had an awesome opportunity. We had a friend who, uh, his parents had a place down in Dominican Republic uh, that they were staying at for a couple months, and they said, hey, you know, bring your friends down. We'll rent some motorbikes. We'll just go around the island. And best two weeks I've ever had. Super fun time. Uh, right before we left for that, we were just running the numbers and, you know, we had, we had no market research. We were doing everything ourselves from fixing the printers to our own market research, having to figure out how to sell on an online platform, how to, uh, figure out like what your, what your community is interested in and what they're willing to pay for. Right. 
So we're learning all these things, you know, as we go. We didn't learn these things in school. We didn't learn them in college. It was all just stuff we kind of threw spaghetti up the wall and see what stuck. So right before we had left, I said, hey, I really think, because there was a, a YouTuber, Bill Duran with Punished Props, uh, who's a huge inspiration for us and a really great resource. He's actually, his videos is where we learned to do a lot of our silicone molding. We looked at kits as an opportunity. I said, hey, man, I, you know, I approached our other two business partners and I was like, hey, guys, I really think there's an opportunity here. I think there's a whole community of people that we're not reaching out to who want a, a high quality kit product so they can finish it the way they want to. And that way, the level of fidelity that it comes up to is however many man hours they choose to put in, which takes a lot of stress off of us. Yeah. Um, so about a week or two before we left on that trip, we put up 15 products that were all kits. And then went out of the country. So we had Wi-Fi sometimes. And I remember about five days in looking at my phone and seeing you have 27 new orders. <laughs> and just staring and staring. And then going and finding my roommate who had gone on the trip with me. Being like, dude, dude. And then by the end of the night, like, I, I just kept checking my phone. And at one point he had to be like, hey, man, you're on vacation right now. And it was so hard for me because, you know. It, right. This is the first major success. It's like vacation. Who needs vacation? Let's go home. Let's make some money. Let's do this. <laughs> and so by the time we got back, we looked at the lead time it would take for some of those products. We had a, a two week lead time before, but like the, the latest orders we were getting were going to take something like a month and a half to get out the door just because of the time it takes for a print and to account right. for, uh, to account for, uh, bad quality prints that you have to throw out. So that's mm -hmm. when we bought our, our second printer was one year almost to the day. And from there, it just exploded wildly out of control. Even when we hit the point where we had 15 printers, uh, we were still had about a two to three week lead time on any order. Oh wow! Yeah, that that like congrats, dude. That is that is seriously. So I, I take it you're able to become cash flow positive at some point. Oh yes, absolutely. That was probably about early 2016, late 2017. Uh, most of the money that we were making was essentially getting dumped right back into printers and uh, mm -hmm. and filament. I was actually looking at the numbers just before this. We were ordering something like 15 to 20 rolls a week. Oh, wow. Um, I remember even when we were scaling the print, both with scaling the printers and scaling uh, with filament, there were multiple times where we had bought all of this stock on Amazon. Like We couldn't buy another model of a printer that we wanted because they just didn't have it for four more months. And so I remember at one point, because uh, we, we, it said in stock, we placed the order for four printers at one time. And then it was like, oh, yeah, we can get you one, and the other three are going to take three months to get to you. Like, uh, scrap the whole order. Uh, and then we started calling around, and we found this dude in California on eBay who had five of them, and it was cheaper than buying four of them off Amazon. So we were like, well, let's just go ahead and buy five, I guess. And four days later, a pallet showed up at our front door and we had to disassemble the printers out in the front yard to get it out of the pallet in the boxes just to fit it through the front door. Oh, yeah. It was a, it was an exciting time. We recycled a lot of hatch box boxes. I used to keep all the manuals. I probably had a stack about two feet tall of the manuals. Wow. Oh, oh. wow. So you, you went from like, almost zero and you had to scale up without any like additional wow yeah that, that is that's any additional funding yeah yeah, I thought, yeah, yeah. Took all the money and just kept funneling it back into the company um 
Wow. Yeah, it was That's... an exciting and wild time. Uh, so, <laughs> go ahead. Oh, uh, no, you go, 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 go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, some, we learned a, a lot of lessons. Uh, uh, I think one of the big takeaways is, you know, you have to be a man of many, many hats if you are going out on a venture, even if it's by yourself or if it's with two other people. I had almost no knowledge of CNC-based machines or really small electronics. I had a vague idea. Um, I'd played with LEDs or something before. We had right around Christmas time in uh, 2017. Uh, I would come home from my... I would go to school all day. I would then go to my job at night where I'd work at a restaurant, and then I would come home at about 10, 10.30, and then I would check on prints. And sometimes even between finishing school, I would drive past my job, go home, just so I could take care of the printers for 30 minutes, and then get back to work just in time for my shift. Uh, just because we had to constantly keep them running, because mm -hmm. every minute a printer wasn't running was money lost, because mm -hmm. we were so far behind on orders. Uh, and we, we kind of told ourselves, like, hey, we're not going to buy more than 15 printers. It's getting a little silly. <laughs> um, and it just in that craziness, one day I came home and my roommate told me, he's like, yeah, man, two of the printers, they're doing this weird thing and I, I don't know what to do. So I turned them off. I'm like, you turned them off? How long have they been off? You know, like, time, time, time. Time is so important. And uh wound up taking a look at them and they both suffered a cable failure. Oh, Nine no. more of our printers from the same brand at that exact same cable failure within about a five-day period. Oh, and this was right around the time that I had finals finishing up. And oh, no. we had orders going out for Christmas. Like, November was our busiest month, easily. Uh, so it was just this crazy, crazy time where, once again, wow. 2 a.m., I'm sitting up in my living room uh, with a soldering iron in my hand, making my own wiring harnesses to replace <laughs> the ones that had just, for whatever reason, failed and moved out. Oh, oh man! Oh, hey, at least that's good to be able to be in control of your, having the skills to be in control of your own maintenance. That way, you can, <laughs> when you got a problem, you can easily just boom, take care of it right there and then, versus having to wait for, you know, sending it, RMAing it back, waiting for. Uh, oh, yeah. repairs yeah, there, to was, get done. there was no time for that. <laughs> yeah. I grabbed some wires <laughs> and electrical tape, and I just electrical taped the wires to it just to make sure, I'm like, because I, I wasn't sure if the printer was bad. Or if the motor was bad, or the wiring was bad, motherboard was bad. I'm like, man, if it's if it's not these cables, we're screwed because <laughs> I can't replace anything else. That fast. <laughs> Thankfully, it was just the cables. But yeah, oh. I just wound up going through and building my own wiring harnesses for uh, nine of them failed. Got like got to the point of failing, uh, but I built eleven harnesses for the eleven. Uh, it was brand Quiet Tech or QD Tech. Uh, they're yeah. a Flash Forge knockoff, but they were. I mean, I looked at the specs; they were the identical printer. Uh, and they were a hundred dollars cheaper unit, so we went with them. <laughs> <laughs> that is so janky. I I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, we had to wear a lot of hats: uh, accounting, marketing, uh, understanding shipping, how to get the shipping rates, postal. Yeah, uh, I mean, we called Hatchbox at one point to try and figure out, like, hey, we're buying these constantly on Amazon for twenty dollars a roll. How? How many units can we buy? Just buy a pallet from Hatchbox and it'd be cheaper. Right. <laughs> so it's all about finding ways to automate what you're doing mm -hmm. because time is your most precious resource when you're doing anything. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, so what, what happened? So it was, it was thriving and uh, it was thriving. It was doing really well. So we were selling lots of, um, uh, 
sorry, we were selling lots of cosplay-based things, so uh, mm -hmm. guns from video games, pendants, anything, uh, necklaces, belt buckles, chains, all these uh, really popular IPs. And what, how we would do it, because none of us had a background in CAD, is we just went to Thingiverse, and there were people who had 3 modeled these things, and they put them up with attribution licenses. And there were plenty of other people out there who were doing the same thing we were without placing the attribution in their list like you're supposed to. Uh, but most of those people were just one or two people who didn't really seem to know what they were doing. We would look at their reviews, you know, like seeing how other stores are doing compared to us. They didn't have as many sales. Their reviews were talking about poor quality of the products, extremely long lead times. Uh, but we were making these cosplay items, which despite being made by an independent person on the internet, are still the IP of those original companies. Mm -hmm. And so in February of 2018, uh, we received, over the course of a week, six cease and desist orders. Oh, no. And unfortunately, with Etsy as a platform, uh, which we're using at the time because it gave buyers a certain confidence in our products, uh, has a limit of three cease and desist orders per year or so. And so within about a five-day period, we lost our shop. Oh, goodness. Which, in fairness, we were playing with fire. Yeah, yeah, for uh, sure. And we'd seen, because uh, what all it was is there was uh, some marketing service that was doing this on behalf of Blizzard. And uh -oh. uh, of one of those products, uh, I believe it was our Destiny hand cannons that got us. We had like nine or ten different Destiny hand cannons, and they only pinged us for like four of them. Which is uh, weird. Uh, but yeah, that, uh, that forced us to shut our shop down. And we talked about a couple different things of setting up a second shop again, which like it's against Etsy TOS, but we could look around <laughs> and see tons of other people doing it. We discussed, you know, possibly shifting markets, but we'd have to learn an entirely new market again. Yeah. And in the end, I think a lot of us were just kind of tired of the late nights. Um, we all had jobs, college, and at the time, too, a big thing was in the early days of 3D printing, uh, there wasn't a lot of information out there like there is now. There mm -hmm. are a huge amount of forums, subreddits, things like that, and the information that people did have, they were gatekeeping pretty well. So uh, everything we learned from the to get our products to the quality that they were took a lot of trial and error, which also led to our lead times. We, they still weren't perfect, the settings that we used. Um, we had to print rafts with every single thing that we made. And so for every order that, or every part that we pulled off the printer, my roommate and I would have to take box cutter blades and we'd wear gloves and these little holders that we had 3D printed for the box cutter blades. And we would trim off the really harsh edges because our, you know, customers had told us we didn't like them, but we had to have rafts because our settings were so bad. We couldn't get good adherence to the build plane. Mm. So we, we were just getting kind of tired of, you know, spending 30 hours a week on top of college and school and, uh, and normal work, spending an additional 30 hours a week on, you know, spending an entire weekend just cleaning prints, getting them in boxes, box mail, make sure they get the correct label for the box, and then someone has to go and drop them off at the post office. So we just kind of let it die right. off and finish its thing. <sighs> That's... That's too bad. Yeah, I was I was wondering about that when you were telling me about making all this cool. I was like, oh, that's really cool. How did he get the IP for that? We didn't. Uh, we always used things that other people had created. None of us had a background in CAD. Right. Uh, which I think is a testament to some of the shops that I made later on is that it's okay if you don't know how to make. There's an opportunity out there for you 
mm-hmm. to still find a way to turn it into money. Yeah. Um, yeah. As an example of that, I happened to, you know, just passing thought one day while I was driving in the car was, I think I, think, I was thinking about a Vincent Van Gogh painting I'd seen. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And so I wonder who's selling that. And then thinking back to my days of Three Dudes Printing, uh, I was like, wow, I wonder who has the IP for Vincent Van Gogh. I'm like, well, I guess there is no IP. I'm like, well, I guess anyone could sell his painting then. <laughs> reproduction. So I did a bit of research into it and found that that was, for the most part, true. Interesting. So after that, I started, decided I'm going to start another Etsy shop, and I took a deep dive on uh, the National Archives website. And based on a bunch of marketing research I had done, all of this stuff, things that I had learned to do from my first venture at 3 Dudes Printing, I was able to find who are the most popular artists. I said, you know, I'm going to start a shop. I'm going to have a hundred paintings in it because that's what I feel like is a good number. And I'll see how that does. And if it does well, I'll put more time and effort into it. And if it doesn't, I'll move on to the next thing. And so I did some market research and I went to national archives and a couple other online websites that where I could find really high quality, high resolution um, images. So that way I could, you know, take them all the way from an eight by 10 to a 12 by 18 if I needed to. And I downloaded them all into folders, organized them, and then created my listings. And uh, I actually happened to, man, I don't even remember how, I think it was when I made business cards for 3 Dudes Printing, there at my college there was a print shop, and they would print a 12 by 18 for 78 cents, which is an awesome deal. <laughs> so I wound up working with them uh, to where all I have to do now is I email them, the poster and I email them the shipping label and they take care of everything from printing it, putting it in and shipping it for me. Wow. 78 cents. Wow. So that's your side hustle you're working on now? Uh, Correct. That's so cool. Yeah. So that's uh, one of my fun ones. Uh, The big takeaways that I got from three dudes printing was automation is key. Mm. Uh, Like it's, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the book. It's okay. It has its flaws, but the four hour work week, but oh, yeah. the principle yeah. from it that I really enjoy, which nice. is when you work for yourself, however fast you work depends on how much you made an hour. The faster you get it done, the more you made in that hour. Right. That's something that I've really taken forward with me is mm-hmm. to automate everything that I can. For the first few years I did the posters, uh, I had a mixture of just thinking it would be kind of awkward and weird. I didn't ask them if they could do that for me. I would, every time I'd get a post order, I would maybe once or Sometimes twice a week when I was still going to school, I would go over there and take the posters myself and put the, you know, pick up the posters from them, stick them in tubes. I would buy tubes for $2.78 at the UPS store, go pick up the posters from them up the street, put them in the tubes, then drive to USPS because the shipping's cheaper than UPS, and I would use the UPS tubes there. And at one point, I realized that's a really dumb, bad way of doing this, and I need to find a better way. And so now I have just bulk order shipping tubes on eBay, send them directly to the uh, print shop, and they take care of everything for me. I almost never actually see my product anymore. Nice. Wow. That is so cool. <laughs> yeah, de- definitely getting to that level of automation made me learn a lot about what's important and how to manage my time better. So uh, if, if you had to, like, narrow things down, like, three important, like, takeaways you'd, you'd give to the audience who are in this stage what what would you say uh find a way to automate everything you can whether it's emails your postage your product creation 
if you can find a way to make that take less time, but still ensuring it's quality, do it. You owe it to yourself. Your time is your most precious resource. Mm-hmm. Um, the other big one I would say is probably you're only one person. You know, it's understandable that you see all these things about entrepreneurs and how they can do everything and you wear all these hats, but the fact of the matter is that's not sustainable and it's not sustainable over a long timeline. You will need help eventually. And whether that's bringing in partners or paying someone or simply scaling back your expectations or maybe even your other hobbies you might have to give up in order to pursue those things. It's important to have a realistic understanding of what you are capable of as just one person. Mm, that's good. Mm. Yeah. Curious, so like after you got done with the, with the, doing the 3D printing, what did you do with all these printers? <laughs> uh, they became dust collectors for about a year. Uh, we were pretty, some of us were just ready to be done with the, the 3D printing thing. And we were busy doing stuff and, uh, I was still a student at the time. And so I was kind of hard up for cash. So I was just working every opportunity I could get and I didn't really have time to sell them. Uh, and so we wound up finally one day we sat down with, had a conversation about it of, Hey, you know, can we start selling these things? And my roommate didn't really want to sell them. And my friend in Dallas couldn't like just didn't have the means to, since I was there, I was like, all right, well I'll sell them and we'll split it a third, a third and third. But when we're done, I get to keep one printer like, okay. So I was like, sweet. So started taking pictures and I put them out on Craigslist. And, nice. uh, I think I put one or two on eBay. I sold one to a friend in Ohio. Uh, but mostly Craigslist, and I've met a lot of really cool and interesting people actually by doing that. Uh, I've met a ton of people who are into manufacturing, fabrication, uh, architects, uh, some people who have like CNC plasma tables and things like that, and they, you know, just wanted a 3D printer as one of those many tools in their environment. All right, what's the craziest Craigslist story? I, I love Craigslist stories. <laughs> hmm. Um trying to think craziest <laughs> far stuff my favorite i mean it, i have some that aren't related to the <laughs> that aren't related to the printers oh go for it uh there my roommate had a, a drone a dji fan at one of the early ones and he had he flew it a couple times but just wound up never using it again and kind of i think he got a little too scared to fly it or he crashed and it cost him a lot more money <laughs> and so at one point i was like hey dude what are we doing with this drone it's taking space in the office he's like hey, if you sell it you know i'll give you 10 percent i was like okay, I can take 10% of, you know, nothing. And so I uh, put it up there and just had this dude call me out of nowhere one day. Had a couple people email me. A lot of them were scammers. His guy called me out of nowhere one day. He goes, hey, I want to buy your drone. I'm like, okay, yeah, cool. Uh, I can meet you. He's like, can you meet today? I'm like, uh, maybe, I guess. Yeah, where? He's like, uh, I was like, well, maybe the police department. Because that seems like a safe place because you seem kind of sketchy already. He goes, yeah, 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 yeah. And so I roll up to the police department and he comes up about 20 minutes later and I'm talking to him, talking to me. He goes, yeah, yeah, I do photography for, uh, for like famous, you know, for like football teams and all that. And like, I do a lot of aerial drone photography and I got a shoot coming up here in an hour, but, uh, my crazy ex-wife, uh, well, she'll be my ex-wife next week. She, uh, smashed my drone this morning <laughs> with a baseball bat. And so like, I don't have a drone right now. And the whole time he's talking to me about his ex-wife or soon to be ex-wife, I happen to look over his shoulder and I see like this young pretty girl in his passenger seat. And I'm just like, oh, soon to be ex-wife, huh? Man, not wasting any time. And he's sitting there and he's talking. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's so crazy. 
you know, uh, hey man, do you know one who would want to buy like a sex swing? And I'm, like, I'm sorry. And he goes, you know, like it, it like hangs from the ceiling. I, I I have one now, and I don't have any use for it, and I kind of don't want it anymore. And I was like, nah, man, I don't want it either. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Like trade it free and take like fifty bucks off the drone. I'm like, nah, man, full price on the drone. <laughs> <laughs> and all I could think was, man, he was in a very big truck. He's, and I'm like, where are you hiding the sex swing? <laughs> <laughs> all right, that is, that is a ch- Sorry. <laughs> Sold the drone at full price. Skipped yeah. on the sex swing. <laughs> good call, good call. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> oh, boy. So, do you have any... um? So what was like your, your favorite, most exhilarating experience being a, a kind of like co-founder? Ooh, uh, I'd probably have to say, and I posted an image of this earlier in the chat. Um, there was a point when we had all 15 3D printers set up. We wound up uh, just realizing we didn't have enough space. There was a time in the office here we built like a very crummy bench that held three on top. And then we had two nightstands holding the other two. So we had five printers at one point. Uh, at that level of a scale. And that's, uh, that was the time that we started buying like three, four, five printers at a time. Uh, it was right after that and we realized, man, we need a bigger place to hold all this. Went to Walmart and bought some, uh, shelving. And my roommate's like, man, where are we going to put this? And we're two bachelors living in a whole house by ourselves. So I was like, well, we never use the living room. So I guess we'll put them up in there. And so we erected, uh, four stands with, uh, Four printers to stand, four, eight, twelve, yeah, and lined those up all around the living room, and we put back braces on them because we were actually worried about those gantries moving around so much that it would make the whole shelf start to rock. Oh no! And we just stacked them: two on the top shelf, two on the middle shelf, and the bottom was just full of filament or tools, things like that that we were using with the printers. And we had a, a poker table in the middle that I used as a staging area to, like, oh, this printer's broke, cool, unplug it real quick, move it over here tear it apart, put it back together. And in those early days, like I said, we had really poor settings. So we were, we were, uh, we had lots of nozzle clogs because we just weren't running the right settings. And I was probably fixing two to five printers a day, every single day. Like I would, I would come home from work and before taking a shower, like still covered in grease. The first thing I would do is go listen to the printers and listen for ones that are clicking or making a certain noise or like checking the prints and seeing that it's not extruding just turn it off, take it apart, clean it, put it back together. I mean, I used to get like blisters on the inside of my fingers from twisting Allen keys so often because you would have to take like six of them off for every printer. And then you gotta put them back on. Wow. Yeah. God, that, uh, that helped you get really good at it really fast. Imagine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. So, do you have any like 3D printer buying advice to the, people are out there looking for 3D printers? <sighs> uh, to be honest, I've kind of been out of the game for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, the way if I was going to go look for a new printer now, which I might be in the market here in the next six months to a year, we'll see. Uh, might want to upgrade from these. They are five years old or so. Is I would probably just go to uh, like the subreddit for 3D printing at, on reddit.com mm-hmm. and uh, just really look at what look at some of the things that people are getting really high quality prints out of, go to the comments, you know, maybe even shoot those people a message. Hey man, what are you using? What do you got? How are you able to do this? Can you send me your, you know, your source file? What are you using for your, uh, your slicing software? Can you send me your, 
a copy of it because whatever you're doing is working. Mm. So just taking the the little extra step of you know if you really want to skip the uh, hard learning phase, you have to just reach out to others and learn from their mistakes. Yeah, that's that's smart. Yeah, you know, what I love about your story is that it really goes to show that you know you don't have to like. Founder isn't a degree you get from college, you know, it's just, it's more like a mindset. Like, you know what, I'm going <laughs> to, I know this is going to be tough and it's going to be hard, but you know, I'm going to figure it out. I don't need a, uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 that, was a, that was a really great story. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's a, it's been a heck of a ride. Learned a lot, printed a lot, fixed a lot, broke a lot, broke quite a few things. <laughs> Break everything! Uh, yeah, wow, it's a it was a fantastic experience, and despite it coming to a very sudden end, I I wouldn't trade any part of it. I learned so much from, you know, I I did all the things that you're not supposed to. I moved in after uh, I graduated high school. I uh, stayed at home for a year or two while I was going to school, and then I moved in with one of my best friends, which you're not supposed to do. <laughs> and about a year after that, I started a company with two of my best friends, which you're not supposed to do. <laughs> and, you know, we had we had our disagreements about various things or the way something should be done. But in the end, still, I wouldn't trade any of those moments. We we all learned so much about, yeah. you know, what we're capable of and what we could do. That is so inspiring. Indeed. <laughs> Yeah, it's something I'm, I'll always get to take for, you know, be six years old and be like, man, I remember I started a 3D printing company like before desktop 3D printers were really getting popular when they were still like absurdly prohibitive. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I remember the first time I saw a 3D printer. I think it was in an office depot. I don't know if they have them where you're at. Yeah. Um, but I, I walked in there and I was like. What are these objects that because they 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 were advertising their three D printing services? Like what? How did they make this? And then I saw like the three D printer, and I was confused at how that thing can make this tiny plastic object. And <laughs> when I found my mind in blue, like this is the coolest thing. Uh, yeah, I had that. Uh, <clears throat> I had that experience a lot uh, when I'd go to family reunions every year during Christmas. They'd be like, "So you do what again with plastic?" And I'd always tell them, "Like imagine a hot glue gun." And you're going to build a, a popsicle stick house, but without the popsicle sticks. So you're going to make layer by layer the walls like you're pouring concrete for the hot glue. And they're like, ah, I just don't get it. And I'd show them like a time-lapse video on YouTube. And they'd be like, wow, it's so fast. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Dealing with tech illiterate family is such a pain. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, from that, it once again, pushed me to learn new things to where I would have, like, my cousins who'd be like, hey, could you, like, make grips for my pistol, you know, with, like, stipling and whatever. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'd go and find, like, a model online, and I would just vaguely resize it, because uh, I could do some things in CAD, and then, you know, I might put, like, their name on it or a logo that they like. Right. Um, <laughs> That's so Texas. <laughs> man. <laughs> oh, so do you have any, do you have, uh, like, Etsy links or... Uh... Anything you want to plug? Uh, no, not terribly. Uh, the things I would recommend is if you're a maker out there and you want to learn how to start building things and making stuff for yourself, uh, rec uh, just a couple of resources I'd highly recommend is if you don't know where to start and you just want some projects, check out instructables.com. It's fantastic. Mm. Um, 
man, I was thinking about the other day, if we wouldn't have had Google, there's no way we could have run our company. We were on Google for every single question and every step of every project we ever did. So just never underestimate as a resource. If you're not getting the answers that you need, uh, mm -hmm. it's probably not the keywords that you're giving it that are uh, the ones that it wants. Uh, yep. As far as YouTubers, Bill Duran, once again, punished props. If you are into prop making, even for yourself, or you just want really great tutorials on finishing materials. He does everything from foam to warbler to finishing 3D prints to make them look really nice. Uh, Bill Duran with punished props. And another huge inspiration that, I mean, all the time I spent fixing those printers, I had YouTube open on my phone. I was either watching him or I was watching uh, Adam Savage's Tested. Mm. Oh, yes. Source where we uh, learned even more. I mean, we watched. We were watching their mold-making videos while making our molds for those original Pip-Boys, just going, okay, cool, and we were doing this step. And they just told us that this is the most important step and don't mess it up. <laughs> Here goes nothing. Oh. <sighs> Wow. Okay. All right. Yeah. That, that that sounds like really great resources. Um. If if you announce, well, not announcements. A few things. Um. First off, uh, we are starting a new, uh, kind of like mini series. We're we're calling it the Drink Exchange. It's on Wednesdays, and essentially think TED Talks, but um, a little bit, uh, a little bit shorter, about ten to fifteen minutes. And uh, I think this week we have. Um, last week's po uh, podcast guest, uh, Ben Cartwright from the Flame Trench and Citadel Space and like all the other projects he's working on. He's going to be talking about small sats. So um, we'll stream it live uh, like normal. Um, and hopefully you throw up a, a video on YouTube. Um, check out our, which brings me to the next thing. Check out our YouTube channel. Um, it's small and we're, we're just getting started, but we have all these podcasts on there and well. We'll hopefully have some more content coming up soon. Um, so thanks for being on the show, Sul. I'm uh, glad you could be here. I think you're one of the, I think you're one of the longest time members that is on the podcast. Oh. Other than Brett. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been really awesome to, uh, watch this community grow and see it become the fantastic resource it is today. Uh, glad you stuck around. Okay. It's, it's I always love your uh, your feedback, your input, watching you work on your little projects. It's yeah, it just really wouldn't inspiring. be the same without you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well. <laughs> uh, all right. No matter where you are, what project you're working on, remember to keep it janky to the max. <laughs>